My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a PhD holding historian, a professor, and the creator of History That Doesn't Suck, a podcast that makes legit, seriously researched American history come to life through entertaining stories. Join me for a chronological telling of the United States story, from the revolution to fractious civil war, tenacious inventors, brave reformers, and more. With more than 100 episodes, you can already binge listen your way from 1776 to the early 20th century. Listen to History That Doesn't Suck on Spotify. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlewood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange... The bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. So we kicked off our holiday movie watching season with an ABC family classic, Snow Globe. Oh, it's a classic. It's one of our favorites. It's so bad. It's a holiday treasure. I love it. And uh, it's a movie that we've watched for the last couple of years, but there are certain Christmas movies, holiday movies that we watch every year. Mm-hmm. And there are some that we're just now getting to. And uh, we watched for my first time watching It's a Wonderful Life last year. You didn't and care for it, did you? It's not my favorite. Right. No, it's not bad. I mean, mm-hmm. by any means, but it's not my favorite. But I remember you being like really blown away by the fact that I've not <laughs> seen It's a Wonderful Life. Well, there are movies between the two of us where that has been the case. I was also surprised. <laughs> and shocked when uh, you said you had never seen Gone with the Wind. That's right. Yeah, you were the first first one to introduce me to Gone with the Wind. Uh, and I honestly, I felt the same way when I found out that you'd never watched A Knight's Tale. Another timeless Hollywood classic. <laughs> An epic silver screen treasure. Anyway, we watched Last Holiday starring Queen Latifah last night. And I have to say... That's now on my list of every year's. It had everything I like. It had a holiday theme to it. Queen Latifah. It had Queen Latifah. It had a uh, the underdog kicking the man in the nuts. Yeah. You know, which is always great. And beautiful scenery. If you want to watch it, it's on, I think, Prime or something. One of them streaming things. And during the holiday season... It's a good idea, really, to take some time. Well, in fact, it's any time of the year, but especially during the holiday season. Take some time. Take inventory of the things that you have to be grateful for, no matter how small. Because no matter what's going on in your life, there's always somebody who's got it worse. Yeah, this is something that you and I practice daily is uh, gratitude journals and taking stock of the things that we have to be grateful for. It's one of the things I like best about you is you're very good at that. But I'm, I'm good at that in a mean-spirited way. I always feel better when I hear about people whose luck is far worse than mine. <laughs> and so in, this, in that spirit, I present the story of Gene Rogers. 
And interestingly for me, this story comes from our hometown newspaper, the Bangor Daily News. Oh, really? Through an interview they conducted in 2007, they outlined a very unfortunate series of events throughout Gene Rogers' life. It started in 1967. She was 18 at the time. And along with a friend, they were on a yacht cruising to Martha's Vineyard. It was raining that day. <laughs> and the deck of the ship was wet. Jean was a bit of a shutterbug. She, she loved photography and she was trying to snap a few pictures. And like a scene from a slapstick movie, she kept backing up and backing up to get the perfect shot until she toppled over the railing into the ocean. Oh no. Her friend frantically tried to help her, quickly reached out to grab her, but her friend slipped on the deck and knocked herself unconscious. Oh jeez. There weren't any orange peels around, were there? <laughs> Not in this case, okay. no. Well, maybe they were, but it doesn't factor into the story. Uh, fairly quickly, her friend did regain consciousness, but apparently nobody noticed that anything had happened. She asked if people knew where Jean was, and nobody knew what, the, what she was talking about. Oh, no. So they circled back. Jean spent over an hour bobbing up and down in the ocean, clutching a life preserver until the ship was able to find her and uh, pull her out. That must have been horrifying. Yeah. First you fall off a cruise ship, and then you just see it disappear into the distance. Oof. And that experience alone is terrifying enough. But it gets even weirder for Jean. In 1960, or I'm sorry, 1971, Jean was waiting outside for a bus in Hartford, Connecticut. And a thunderstorm rolled in very quickly, and before Jean was able to take cover... She was struck by lightning. Jane, what is going on? <sighs> the strike was so intense that it blew her shoes off her feet. I know that I can't help but chuckle when I say that phrase myself. But this was a serious injury. It burned a small hole in the ankle of her right foot. And it also, she was wearing pantyhose. It melted the pantyhose into her legs. Oh, I hate that thought. The lightning strike caused so much, so much damage to her nerves that as of the writing of this article in 2007, she was still unable to wear shoes comfortably even in the winter. Oh my goodness. So fall off a cruise ship, struck by lightning, what else could possibly happen to Jean? Two years later, in 1973, Jean was struck by lightning for a second time. No. Twice in a two-year period. This time, it struck a metal bracelet that she was wearing. But the second strike, fortunately for her, didn't cause any additional lightning strike-related injuries. Over the next few years, things were somewhat uneventful. She settled down. She got married to a man. Uh, she ultimately divorced this guy because one night he came home, drunk off his ass, and tried to kill her. No, Jean! She survived physically, but I can only imagine the emotional trauma that she carries with her because of that. Ugh. So now we're, we're not sure the date of this next episode, but it was sometime in the 80s. Jean was out running a few errands for her employer. It was then that three men attacked her and stole her purse. She got mugged. But before the muggers left, one of the muggers decided that he wanted all of her jewelry as well as the purse. And her jewelry included a silver bracelet that she uh, was wearing that her sister had given her as a gift. 
She didn't want to part with that. So she punched the guy in the face. <laughs> now the muggers fled. Now you'd be forgiven if you thought that perhaps this was a sign that her luck was beginning to change. But you would be wrong. Oh. Things get progressively weirder for Jean. She worked for a cosmetic company. And the company would send her out to make deliveries. This, of course, the days long before Instacart. So Jean took her young son with her as she was making her rounds delivering uh, cosmetics for the company she worked for. She was walking through a neighborhood in the town of Middlefield, Connecticut, with her son. And her son looked up into the sky and said, Mommy, funny bird. Suddenly, in broad daylight, a huge bat swooped down and became entangled in Jean's hair. No. Which, by the way, is nightmare fuel for me. That's not a real thing. It's a real thing. And apparently, it was nightmare fuel for her, too, because she began running around and yelling, trying to get some help in this residential neighborhood. She ran to several different houses and pounded on the door, pleading for assistance. But when people opened the door and saw that she had a huge bat attached to her head, it freaked them out and they would just slam the door. Oh, my God. Over and over again, this happened. It's a bat. It needs your help. So all of the screaming and door slamming stressed the bat out so much that it dug its claws into her scalp even harder and refused to let go. Except for his bladder. He proceeded to pee all over her head. So she's in this neighborhood it's a, you know, an idyllic little Connecticut neighborhood. She's got her son with her. Um, there's a bat clawing her skull and peeing on her head. Did he poop also? Because I hear guano is like really expensive. It's, it's valuable. Yeah. yeah. No, no word on that. Okay. But nobody would help her. I can't imagine like trying to scrape some guano off of you and be like, would you like to buy this? <laughs> I'm just thinking that he's got, he's got his claws dug into her scalp. She's probably, he's broken the flesh. Right. And then he pees in it. That, that can't be good. Can you get rabies from bat pee? Bats don't have rabies. They could. They're mammals. They could. So anyway, just in the nick of time, well, actually a little bit past the nick of time, um, <laughs> she, she saw a friend of hers coming down the street and she screamed and waved and asked him for a ride to the vet with the bat still attached to her head. Not wanting to ride in the car with a woman who had a large, angry, urinating bat attached to her scalp, huh. he uh, just tossed her the car keys and said, here you go, drive yourself. No way. Yeah. And so she did. She drove herself to the vet's office with her son and this large, angry, urinating bat attached to her head. <laughs> Not a good day for Jean. So she gets to the vet, and they immediately see her, and they have a great deal of difficulty removing the bat from her scalp. He just won't let go. He's pretty freaked out. Sure. So they put a bag over the bat and her head and filled the bag with smoke. And this rendered the bat unconscious. And they were able to safely remove him and let him go. Oh, that's good. Not injured at all. But not before the bat ripped a huge chunk of Jean's hair out. Um, this forced her to wear a beret for three months. Oh, my God. The indignation. That's just such a weird sentence. This forced her to wear a beret for three months. <laughs> I don't know that it did. First, a bat pees on your head, and then you have to wear a beret. <laughs> Could it get much worse? <laughs> the answer is yes. Really? 
Well, these are all amazing and unlikely experiences. Any one of them would be considered horrible luck. Whoa, I have to stop you. All right. I just got an Instagram message. Okay. That just came in from Natasha. I had a dream last night that a bat bit me on the hand and I got rabies. Oh, my God. Wow. A real boo effect unfolding in real time. And then today she writes, I'm listening to episode 246 and it's Cat's rabies episode. Whoa. Whoa. This is like a triple boo effect. Wow. Mind blown. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Wow. So anyway, these experiences individually, any one of them could be considered horrible luck. But when you put them all together, it's it's mind numbing. But then perhaps the most absurd thing of all happened to Jean. One day she was swimming at the YMCA in Hartford, Connecticut, just splashing around with the other bathers when she heard the intercom make an announcement that there was a phone call for somebody and she couldn't really hear the full name because the acoustics in a pool and people yelling and splashing and stuff. Of course. She thought the last name was Rogers, but she wasn't sure that it was her that that was being paged. So she thought she'd better check on that. So she swam over to the edge of the pool to lift herself out and slipped and instinctively grabbed hold of a man's swimsuit. The man was also trying to climb out of the pool. This caused his suit to come completely off, exposing him totally (laughs) to all of the other YMCA swimmers. Oh, no. It seems as though his last name was Rogers, too, and he was getting out to check to see if the call was for him. His first name, Fred. Gene had pulled the pants off of Mr. Rogers in front of a crowd at the YMCA, giving them all a closer look at Mr. Rogers' neighborhood than they ever thought that they would get. She, She pantsed Mr. Rogers, beloved children's television host, Mr. Rogers. Did they get married? They didn't know they didn't get married. Oh, okay. Mr. Rogers, how do you think he reacted? I think that he was sweet to her and wished her to have a lovely day. Well, she pantsed him. She she pulled his pants down in front of all of these bathers. But and she didn't mean to. No, of course not. And he's not. very understanding. Of course not. His response was he apologized for getting in the way of her exit. Oh, my gosh. That man. <laughs> that man. <laughs> She says she laughs about all of these unfortunate events. Now, the Bangor Daily News asked her if, uh, after living such a weird, freakish life, she was afraid of an accidental death. And I love this. (laughs) She said, quote, dying doesn't scare me, but living scares the crap out of me. (laughs) My information Our hometown newspaper, the Bangor Daily News, Mental Floss, and RamblingBeachCat.com. That is weird because I met Mr. Rogers. That's right, at the Golden Eagle. No, a giant eagle in uh, Shadyside, Pennsylvania, the outskirts of of Pittsburgh. It's a suburb. And he was just the sweetest man ever. Um, I didn't pants him, but I did, however, pants another beloved children's television host, Captain, Captain Kangaroo. Wasn't he a conductor? It was like a captain's uniform. I think you're mixing it up with Thomas the Train. There was a conductor on that show, but that was many years later. I've never seen Thomas the Train. Was Captain Kangaroo not a conductor? 
I guess his name would be Conductor Kangaroo. <laughs> yeah, maybe initially the show was going to be Conductor Kangaroo, and they they did a focus group workshop, and they said, "Nah, we we should promote him to Captain." Oh man. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. What was Captain Kangaroo's job? I think he was retired by the time his TV show came on, so he just um, he hung out in his treasure house with a sadistic bunny rabbit and a dancing bear. It turns out I don't remember Captain Kangaroo at all. (laughs) Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more— We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And now, that thing in the middle. It seems they really love their trees in Australia. In fact, recently, Melbourne gave some of its trees email addresses. Now, initially, the idea was that if you were out and you discovered a tree that had a problem, you could send a report to the government, alerting them of that. But instead, the trees receive love letters. Sarah sent us an email. Um, Thanks for all the naps. I owe you all in my life. Wait, what? I have a one-month-old who loves to nap during your podcast. He's not the only one, Sarah. (laughs) So as to not miss out, I put on old episodes for him to listen to. So thank you for your soothing voices and odd stories that keep my bebe sleeping. She spelled it that way, too. I listened to your podcast religiously during my pregnancy, and I see him smile from time to time while he sleeps. I guess my baby's freak flag is already flying. (laughs) I can't wait for him to be old enough to actually pay attention and start the podcast all over again. P.S. I listen to new episodes while I have my mom time escaping from my family, usually eating candy in the closet or bathroom by myself. (laughs) Any any hoozle. Love y'all. Thanks for my naps. Much love from Colorado, Sarah and Tater. That's, oh, that's her baby's nickname. That's wonderful. Tater. Thank you so much. She says, we're listening now and he's napping, so I'll take advantage of this and nap myself. Thanks for your time and all your stories. <laughs> I just picture her crouched in a closet on the floor with a bag of Doritos. 
Speaking of Doritos, yeah, we got some kosher Doritos in a flavor that we've never had before. They're called like sour spice or something like that. They're incredible. And now I have to drive all the way to Winn-Dixie to get groceries yeah. so I can get these Doritos. Because <laughs> they don't have them at other supermarkets. So she has to go across town to Winn-Dixie to get these particular flavored Doritos that apparently are, are kosher. Yeah, they're called Spicy Sour. Best Doritos I've ever put in my face. And trust me, I've put some Doritos in my face. <laughs> I want to thank everyone who has tagged us in their Spotify wrapped for the end of the year. Uh, one person tagged us and said they'd listened for 532 hours. And I just... What? I'm so impressed and concerned. Uh, but also, <laughs> like... Uh, wow. 532 and divided by 24. That's over 22 days nonstop listening. I'm so impressed with you. God bless you. God bless us, everyone. We have the best freak family. We absolutely do. Thank you so much, even if you listened for less than 532 hours. If you have one of those year-end summaries of how many hours you've listened to and you can beat that, uh, send it along. We'd love to see that. My Spotify wrapped came out so funny because, you know, I have a very wide, <laughs> very broad listening uh, habit, I guess. Spectrum. Spectrum. That's a great word to use. And so uh, obviously my, my number one listened to category was Yiddish folk music, <laughs> <laughs> closely followed by <laughs> Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> Delilah Bon and wow. Lizzo. Okay, so you have an eclectic musical taste. Yeah, yeah. You, you would have just the strangest and most wonderful radio station if you programmed just music that you listened to. That's what I've wanted to do my whole life, and everyone who I've worked with in radio tells me it would be a terrible failure. <laughs> Economically, yes, it would be. But it would Well, be you a... can't say that for sure. You don't know. Hey, Matt, did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope, never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's Triviality. All you need is a few minutes to start your day off with something historic when you listen to the This Day in History podcast. Every day there's a new episode for you to listen and learn about what happened that day way back when. Today could be the day a famous mobster met their end, or the first milestone for humans in space. Who knows what history today holds? Find out when you listen and subscribe to This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. That's This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. We needed one more of these liners to fill out the page. And this was it. 
This is the Box of Oddities. Ferguson Island is a mountainous island off of Papua New Guinea's mainland's easternmost tip. It has an area of 14,037 square kilometers, or about 555 square miles. If those were ours, that would be the winner. (laughs) The island is mountainous terrain covered by rainforests. There are three large volcanoes on the island, and it's minimally populated. It was there that the black-naped pheasant pigeon was documented by scientists for the first and last time in 1882. Scientists know very little about the black-naped pheasant pigeon, apart from the two specimens collected in 1882. It is a large terrestrial pigeon that feeds on seeds and fallen fruit. But in 2019, researchers caught wind of locals on the island seeing a ground-dwelling bird that they called awu. They called it awu, or they called it a awu. They were like, hey, it's a awu. A, a woo, woo. Oh, you mean, were they saying woo that yeah. they had found a, right. a woo? Yeah. I suppose they might have, but they're from Papua New Guinea, so I don't know that they use woo the way that we use woo. I think woo is universal. Do you? Hmm. In 2019, a survey team of indigenous Papua New Guineans and U.S. researchers went to find the bird, but failed. And as reported in the bulletin of the British Ornithologicals Club, Ornithologist Bulletin of British Birds Club, they believed they did find an active nest. So after being delayed, like everything else in the world was because of COVID, this year, a team headed back to Ferguson Island. And this is a bird that they have not officially documented seeing for 150 years. That's correct. That's exciting. With the financial and organizational assistance of the Papua New Guinea National Museum and the American Bird Conservancy, the expedition team included members from ABC, the Cornell Lab, the Papua New Guinea National Museum, along with local Papua New Guineans. The team followed locals' directions and trekked through the dense, rugged terrain of the densely forested slopes of the island. And they set up 12 camera traps on the island's tallest mountain, Mount Kilcarran. And they placed eight other cameras in locations where local hunters had reported seeing the bird, the awu, in the past. Now, it's nearly a month into the expedition, and the researchers finally found someone, a local hunter named Augustine Gregory, who said he'd seen the bird more recently than the 1990s, which was pretty much the last time someone had said that they had seen him. So he said he could send them in the right direction. He said he had heard the bird's distinctive calls in an area with steep ridges and valleys. So Jordan Borisma, co-leader of the expedition and a postdoctoral researcher at the Cornell Lab of Birds, and the rest of the expedition team placed a camera on the 3,200-foot high ridge near the Kwama River. But time was running out. The team had just a few days left in their expedition, and they'd not spotted the bird. Of course, you can imagine the stress of being in this environment day after day. They're in the middle of a rainforest with bugs and 
dense forest and they're trudging through and probably those leeches that drop down from the trees stop it why do you have to bring that up why would you why why would you do that was that a rhetorical question or oh god so they're having a really hard time and day after day they're checking their cameras and they're not seeing what they want to be seeing they are searching for proof of life for a bird that they don't know exists anymore but then it happened With just two days left in their journey, they captured footage of the bird walking on the forest floor. It's it. It's it's owl. Isn't it owl? We can't tell. We can't tell them. We have to have them look through the the photos too. We get it. Holy man! (laughs) Man, this is the happiest ever. You can hear how overwhelmed these dudes are. They are just losing it because they're in the middle of the forest and they just have this handheld camera and they're looking through photos on their tiny little screen Mm -hmm. and they can see this awu in the the photo. And one of them is like verge of tears. You can just see him losing his shit. And it's the most wonderful video. And someone tagged me on it on TikTok. And that's how I know about this story is because I saw the TikTok and I was weeping. And <laughs> You see, there are some advantages to being obsessed with birds, sweetheart. Right. Like these people are. So. Plus, you get a topic handed to you. I don't know what you're getting at. <clears throat> Just that <clears throat> you're obsessed with birds. Oh, my God. In a good way. Local bird expert Doka Nason was the one who had set up the camera that eventually recorded the bird. And he's the one that you can hear the other researcher handing him the photo and saying, it's Awu, it's, it's Awu. And then the follow-up is from Doka. <laughs> he said, when I saw the photos, I was incredibly excited. I was jumping up and down yelling, we did it. You know, it's not clear just how many of the black-naped pheasant pigeons are left. And the rugged terrain would make identifying the population difficult. And of course, it's been since 1882, since you know they've been able to spot one before this time. So you can see how that it's doesn't a, bode well. It's a pretty big deal. And it's always exciting to learn that a species or an animal that you thought has been extinct for 150 years is in fact viable. That's right. But with that excitement comes some fears and some concerns because the principal landowner of the forest where the bird was found told the search team that he had just signed a deal with a logging company. Oh, good. A move that could threaten the black-naped pheasant pigeon's habitat. It's only habitat. It only lives in this rainforest on this specific island. There must be something that they can do. If they can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that Awu is alive and thriving, that maybe they can say, you know what, Uh, log someplace else. Well, the Evolutionarily Distinct and Globally Endangered Program wrote on its website that deforestation for logging and transformation of land into agricultural property means that the population is likely in decline. And because of that, there may be some protective measures that can be taken. But so far, I don't know of any. The discovery, according to Christina Biggs, the manager for the Search for Lost Species at Rewild, said is an incredible beacon of hope for other birds that have been lost for a half century or more. The terrain the team searched was incredibly difficult, but their determination never wavered. 
And that's why it was such an emotional moment for this team when they found this bird. The reason I care and the reason we should all care, said Borisma, is that the bird has meant something and continues to mean something to the local people. It's part of their legends and their culture, and if we lose this species, then its cultural importance will be lost, along with the role it plays in this fantastic ecosystem. And you can imagine, in a small island ecosystem like that, one bird can make yeah. a huge difference. The, uh, the tipping point is, uh, is quickly reached, I would think. So that is the black-naped pheasant pigeon, which has only recently been designated as a separate species from some of the other pheasant pigeons, and his plight. So I'm glad that you know about him now, and also I love him. That's amazing. I got my information from Cosmos Magazine, <laughs> TikTok, CNN.com, AllAboutBirds.com, which is my <laughs> new favorite website, and Shocker. EdgeOfExistence.org. We are quickly getting decorated for the holidays. It's been a process, but uh, but we're getting there. We're getting the holiday cards that we send out every year to members of the uh, Order of Freaks on Patreon. And last-minute gift-giving um, is being taken care of. If you need some ideas for that uh, freak family member that you know and love, check out our merch store on our website, theboxofoddities.com. You can get everything from mugs to blankets to t-shirts oh everything tapestries they have tapestries not all designs are available on tapestries though oh, well that's good to know the box of oddities.com love you guys look forward to seeing you next time until then keep flying that freak flag and fly it proudly you beautiful freak and so let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you and its fate is in your hands Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. They're the best Doritos I've ever had. Oh my God. Wait, I'm going to go get some. Make sure you get your bag. Now that's my bag. I ate mine already. Actually, you helped me do it, so. Oh, they're so good. Meh. Mmm. <sighs> Best Doritos ever. Okay. <clears throat> Are you interested in the parts of history that remain a mystery? Do you want to learn more about the historical myths and misconceptions used to prop up false belief today? I'm Nathaniel Lloyd. In my podcast, Historical Blindness, I delve into all of these topics, sharing puzzling tales from the past 
and examining hoaxes, conspiracy theories, and misremembered events that provide insight into modern politics and religion. New episodes every two weeks. Find Historical Blindness on most podcast players and platforms. Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.